So the key pillars that pitch in the idea was building the right foundation, strategical alignment, speed and quality at scale, and then collaboration and communication. Hi, I'm your host, Magali Pellissier, and I'm a product manager. Welcome to Product Perspectives, the podcast for product people that gives a voice to their stakeholders. Each week, I show you the other side of a product. I interview the people who contribute to making products a success. They are engineers, writers, marketers, support analysts, UX designers, or even salespeople. Not only will I give them the credit they deserve, but we will uncover what makes a good product and a good product manager from their perspective. Stakeholder management is a key skill for product managers. So just as you are obsessed with listening to your customers, let's hear from your stakeholders. My guest today is Shipra Nirola, who is VP Product Operations and Delivery at Fitextile, where she has been establishing product operations as a mainstream function to accelerate product-led culture and scaling from two to six cross-functional teams over the last year and a half. Shipra is a seasoned leader with over 16 years of core experience in digital transformation, business agility, and operational excellence. She has implemented best industry standard processes driven from Agile, Lean, Six Sigma, Prince2, and ISO quality assurance principles for continuous improvement. Thank you very much, Shipra, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have our conversation. Let's start with your company. Fitexide is the leading developer of uh, VR AR fitness applications, and we are a passionate team who's on a mission to make fitness fun and accessible to everyone. So Fitexide has built the world's first virtual fitness club, and through our application, it provides a truly immersive and engaging experience to our players through the virtual reality, and players can get everyday daily fresh classes, fitness classes, just from the comfort of your home. Okay, very interesting. Was the idea of your company born during the COVID pandemic? Was your company already a player before the last few years? Yeah, the company was established in 2016. We were fully remote even before COVID. Very exciting to see that there are some examples of, of companies who were already operating remotely and having products like this for remote use before the pandemic. I think we, we don't talk enough about these companies. So how did you get started in this company? I joined Fitexar almost one and a half year ago. So I was hired to build a QA function from scratch because they were very small. And then we were trying to build overall quality and testing practices in the companies. And when I joined them, first, I wanted to understand what does it mean by quality for the people at FitXR? Is it just about testing the application, finding issues and bugs or The quality, in my opinion, is much more beyond than testing or a quality control. So I tried to understand that by doing a little bit of survey. And then I initiated a little bit of systematical monitoring, process gap evaluation on the various aspect of the practices in our business, mainly around quality assurance, product lifecycle development and de uh, delivery practices, just to see where our gaps are. Are we doing the right things? The two key things at that time when I joined was of a product quality was poor because we were having lots of post-release issues. The defect leakage was a key problem. And also our delivery pace was very slow. And when I started, I started very, very small, as in like focusing on the small wins. And then I 
reestablish the whole QA department from scratch, new tooling, new standards, practices, ownership, roles and responsibility, including new hires. And I also realized that our organizational structure wasn't supporting the goals that we wanted to go for. We were talking about being nimble, being lean. Lots of ideologies were coming in our stakeholder discussions. And then we decided, okay, I think it's important for us to have some key digital transformation. When we talk about that for organizational restructuring, it's like a heavy lifting (laughs) processes. So we started with two across functions from teams. And when these two teams came into the action, there was a need to define a release cadence, a sustainable, continuous flow of product delivery to production. So what I did was I created a custom approach for a release train, which I inherited the idea from the scaled agile framework, created a mini bespoke version of that process and tried to implement through our agile way of working. But we didn't want to have more heavy lifting processes, but wanted to keep a mindset. If that process doesn't work, we want to improve, we will change it. We actually solved a lot of those problems. But then we scaled from two to uh, six production teams. And then the complexity become higher and higher. We wanted to understand where are we heading up to? We want to bring a product-led culture. Why don't we build like end-to-end operational excellence from product ideation, delivery, and post-production? So we created a little bit of brainstorming and I pitched the idea of a product operations. How do we build that product operation as a mainstream at FitXR? That's a very varied experience. I love how you started in QA, then did some change management, delivery manager, and then you ended up thinking, oh, this is product operation. And you pitched the idea of product operations to your leadership. So can you give us some tips? How can a product manager who identifies there is a need for a new product operations function convince their leadership team that this is a good idea? What arguments did you use in your pitch? We realized that, you know, the operational part was already there. For me, it it was not difficult for me to get the buy-in, to be honest. It was more for giving them the clarity, like how product operations as a mainstream can function, where are we lacking at the moment and how we can build up and uplift our operational excellence. So I already had this work done on some of the operational metrics, which I'm going to share later about operational KPIs. So I've already had those things in my delivery side of things, but it was an idea, okay, how we can scale this up in a better way from end-to-end operational point of view. So I started with defining Kind of, again, I always go by this rule, gap analysis and mapping process to implement, you know, when I say like a glue work, what what does it mean by the glue work? It's basically to build the dots end to end from product ideation to product delivery. How do we define that? So I knew that we need to build the right foundations. We need a strong tooling, planning frameworks, discovery and prioritization structure for our product teams to work and thrive. Me working at a delivery part, I knew that there was a challenge for getting a right alignment for when the product feature is going to be delivered, when the product feature is going to be ready for testing, for production, how the communication is going to happen to the different part of the work streams, to community, to marketing, and so on, right? So I did a bit of mapping around how this strategic alignment will come to drive our product go-to-market strategy, improving our customer experience, getting their feedback, insight to our product decision-making. And then third part, which is already is my forte, is a quality assurances. 
like how you provide speed and quality at scale, better practices for automation testing, live monitoring on the bugs, bug triage, overall product health, all sort of activities, we did not have it. And standardizing these processes so that we can reduce our complexity around that by building a system where you're taking more proactive actions by running a nightly execution on those tests, like more DevOps, CICD practices. So that comes under that bit. And then the fourth bit was overall collaboration and communication. It's the most important thing, seeking for an alignment. And I've always said that alignment is like breathing for a cross-functional organization. So the key pillars that pitch in the idea was building the right foundation, strategical alignment, speed and quality at scale, and then collaboration and communication. What you're saying resonates a lot with my previous interview with Ray Chomsperier, with product operations lead at Pico, where she said that most of the things that you work on in product operations are things that are already happening. We already measure things. We already communicate. We already have those processes. But at some point, we grow so much that we need some people in product operations to help the full view of how everybody is doing it in the company to then standardize and scale it in a better way. It's absolutely right, because when you operate, you definitely have some sort of practices. So these basic foundation, I believe, have already been there. It's very important for product operation. I would say not just product operation, any product leader to understand when these operational metrics are put together, how do you want to use them because there can be like overhead of lots of KPIs and lots of metrics. When we put those KPIs, they should be telling you a story, a story about the true state of your team performance, your product performance, in fact, and it can help you making right decisions. Are we doing right? Are we doing wrong? It can also help you monitor your team health. Is team happy? Is team good? Is team motivated enough to continue? Or it can also help you making your commitment and checking on your operations on schedule. Are we meeting the deadlines? If you're missing it, why is that the case? So these metrics are not for the purpose of micromanaging, I would say, or creating more pressure on the team to compete with each other. There could be an example where a team is doing really good on the commitments. They are over-delivering or meeting all the timelines. But at the crux of that, the team is really burning out. And what you said is very interesting because we tend to focus on quantitative data related to delivery. So did we meet this deadline? Did we complete all our commitments? How many story points in every sprint? But you've just said you look at team health because it matters for the company. And especially right now, we're thinking about retention because there is a big need for, to attract talent and to retain them. And we're also thinking that people who are happy perform better. So there's an impact here on the performance that the, the company is looking for. So tell me more about your journey in implementing this balance scorecard and which metrics you're tracking. How do you measure team happiness, for example? We wanted to measure two things, agility and team happiness. We started with a long survey asking people at the end of the every sprint, how do they feel about the sprint? Similar to retro, but it was more anonymous survey that we used to. We, we started in those two teams. And this is how we were measuring this agility and team happiness and putting some scoring around that. I was doing a lot of work on the quality measurement, which was usually for how good we are in the defect removal and what's our defect leakage looks like for each sprint. Do we have any change failure, which is any release that caused any bad change in production? 
and do we cause any live incident? But then as we evolve a little bit more and get into the product operation side, we realize that there's another key aspect for these key metrics. One is like SLA, which is product availability 24 by 7. And then we provide a daily fresh classes to our user and we wanted to put a KPI and goal around it that whenever we release new fitness classes to our customers, they should be bug free. So when we combine, try to combine these quality metrics and these product availability metrics. So I have a balanced scorecard, which basically is comprises of these six KPIs. And I do some maths around it and define a, a score. Caught a lot of feedback from the teams about how oh, these surveys are too much. It's an overhead. So what we tried to do is we made them as a part of our team retro. And third thing is just product delivery predictability or what's our average success rate looks like, which is basically whatever is committed is being delivered or it's there is a delay. If there is a delay, what's the reason why it's, there's a cause? So these are the metrics that we built over the period of time. I see that if these metrics are put out there, it's more about unsurfacing those problems and those areas and fix them rather than taking them as out and being compared to the rest of the teams. When you talk about these metrics, some of them are more related to engineering work rather than just product. For example, the reliability of platform available 99.99% of the time. This is something which reflects the quality of engineering work and the infrastructure. And obviously, mm -hmm. if we don't put any effort in our roadmap to make this better, then it's the product manager's role to make this a priority again in the roadmap. So does that mean the engineering team isn't tracking those or are you doing it on their behalf? Our product organization is product engineering, design, creative, delivery, QA. Everything reports to product, the CPO, right? So engineering practices are part of it, especially the SLA part. So usually the engineering team manage the SLAs, but rest of the metrics, I calculate and own it. And the, along the way, we're going to implement some more of the DevOps metrics, which is again, engineering driven to uplift more of the engineering operational side of things. But usually it comes under the whole operation part. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so it's very interesting to see that your engineering function and all the QA and everything reports to your chief product officer, and that explains why your balance call card includes those metrics everything. as well. Yeah. You have a strong background in different methodologies, so Agile, Lean, Six Sigma, Prince2. What do you think those principles have added to your role as a product operations leader? These are my secret weapons, I would say. It's a set of belief and the framework, like a principles that's given to in the industry just to do one thing, and that is use your common sense to, you know, maximize your business value, to delight your customers, whether you want to over-engineer it, whether you want, like, you know, just adopt by the book, it's really up to you. At FitXR, what I wanted to get out of them is basically understand what can I take that works for the team that helps to move faster. So in my all practices, the work that I've done at FitXR or even previously, I have always like captured some of the ideas from one methodology to the other. For example, Agile and Lean, the idea or the principle are exactly same. You want to deliver value by reducing the amount of waste in your processes. On the other hand, Six Sigma, heavy focus on data and the metrics rather than organic feedback loop. And But the core of Six Sigma is also the same. It aims you to reduce waste and maximize your value. But 
Six Sigma has lots of practices, lots of tools. For example, Pareto analysts will say like 80% of your problems have 20% of the cause. And whenever I'm doing some process investigation, this tool definitely helps me putting my thinking and prioritization. As I mentioned, when I introduced this release train concept, originally it's coined in the agile scale framework. We are not in a state to do fully agile or fully adapting like a whole scale agile framework. But I knew that I can inherit like a release train concept and try to implement it to bring some continuous flow and sustainable deployment frequency in our product culture. So we started with a two weeks cadence and we decided, oh, it doesn't notice it doesn't work for us. Maybe two weeks cadence is not the right cadence for us. So let's try with the four weeks and see how we're going to go ahead, how we're going to move. So all of these frameworks have helped me putting my strategy around product operations and delivery success. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I am very metrics driven and around measuring things. But as a product manager, sometimes we have engineers don't really want to commit. We don't want to commit either because we may, we know that the roadmap may change. There are some things which when we track them with some hard metrics, then we look at them and yes, we miss the targets. Yes, it's not what we expected, but that's normal. And that's due to the fact we are being agile and we discover new things and we adjust our roadmap based on that. So do you see any tension sometimes between product managers have to adapt and the way you track those metrics, which means that sometimes we may miss some targets and have metrics going down, even though that is not a reflection of bad work, something going wrong? I think it's an interesting question because currently in a state, we are building the foundation of how do we define like a firm operational KPIs. These operational KPIs are part of like a support KPIs, which can enable the product to make better decisions. So for product managers, does it reflect that my team is not better than the other team? Sometimes there are some discussions around like these metrics are not the true reflection because we have scope creep, because we had last minute changes, because we had unplanned leaves. But the objective of these metrics, even though we could put that hardcore metrics out there, it's about what can I do as a product manager to perform in even better? Even if you see, for example, okay, this sprint I committed for five stories for say, and I could only deliver three because of X reason, number one, two, three, four. And those reasons are genuine. It's, it gives you like a platform to think, did I not consider the impact if the person is off, for example, because I have key reliance on that person? Did I put nice buffer around the estimation for plan B or plan C, for example, right? Why this last minute change come to my plate? Did I push back? That could be external factors. I see that if these metrics are put out there, it's more about unsurfacing those problems and those areas and fix them rather than taking them as how I'm being compared to the rest of the teams. And so it's just about how do we perceive those metrics? And I think when we get that understanding, there's no point of conflict. You've said at the beginning that your role is also about giving the story so having just those metrics sitting on a dashboard without the context, without the explanation of why we didn't hit this target, why the metric is going down, it's not helpful. It's really with the story of what happened that you can make informed decisions. Yeah, exactly. 
the biggest challenge for me is stakeholder management and alignment as jeff bezos says many times that a communication is a 24 by 7 job and it really is especially in the product operation space on that point so you said it's working well with product managers i've got a question from ryan kenwood with senior product manager in your company so my question is What has been your biggest challenge from a product operations side with the product management team increasing by 200% in the last three months, while also maintaining a successful delivery cadence? What advice would you give other product operation teams in a similar situation? The biggest challenge for me is stakeholder management and alignment and getting the right cadence and balance to product ceremonies and structured ritual and cadence based communication strategy because there are lots of stakeholders out there there are lots of expectations no matter what level of growth our product teams are at we need to be able to effectively communicate collaborate and get things done right as jeff bezos says many times like a communication is a 24 by 7 job and it really is especially in the product operation space currently i'm working on and trying to create a structured and repeatable framework for product branding and communication but i found is like it's a goldilocks problem for me do i over engineer it too much process overhead if i don't put it that way or if i don't put a structure to it probably it's very loosely coupled or too less control without having a process overhead but having the right tools right processes a light touch workflows can make it easier it can reduce the conflict and it can also boost the stakeholder participation in our product strategical decision which probably is the biggest key and important thing for product managers so the idea here with this whole uh, work about structured repeatable framework for product planning and communication is to make product managers life easier but managing all the stakeholders not just product managers been kind of a challenging ride but what advice i would like to give the other product operations i think is always try to be outcome focused whatever you're trying to fix or build the gap is not output driven but more outcome focus and also focusing on the cause not just the symptom and always start a small for the quick wins you might want to have a big vision and big strategy in place for a sustainable scalable processes in mind but always create some milestones and the most important thing is don't do the patchwork don't put a plaster think about what can be scalable what can be sustainable however sometimes you would may want to keep it very very simple you just want to follow a just enough approach to start with you don't want to over engineer so you have to have a kind of mindset where i can apply this long term thinking and start small but sometimes you might just need that is it i need very quick fix for that so you always have to find those balances great these are some fantastic pieces of advice for all people in in product operations and the question was amazing brian thanks a lot In the final part of this podcast I make several propositions to you and you pick one of them your favorite. So the first one is around metrics, qualitative or quantitative. You need to have both because they both serve different perspective. But for me the most important is the qualitative because if you focus on the people and you focus on the team health and morale the quantitative metrics would show the result. Cram or Kanban? <laughs> it's not like one works or or the other they both work in the same way it depends what you want out of them so for example scrum is usually like it's the most popular one basically in the agile development framework 
And you use Kanban, you want to bring a sustainability and iterative delivery to your system. But Kanban is more for high maturity, high performing culture where you don't have to wait for iterative deployment. And like most, it mostly works in the tech side where you have to deliver, for example, every day you're doing a daily deployment and things like that. One is better than the other. It depends what's the demand of your business, what's the demand of your team, and then you choose the best for them. Right. And around the frameworks that you've used, Agile, Lean, Prince2, Six Sigma, which one is your favorite? For small scale-ups, a startup, a Lean and Agile principle is a good bet to start with. But once your company is mature and you're looking for adapting a more data-driven process maturity model like CMI level one, two, three, five, you want to go to that, then your Six Sigma is your right choice. But for the simplicity sake and not heavy process driven, I think Agile Lean is the best one. Great. Thank you very much. That's been a very interesting discussion. And I would like to ask you a final piece of advice for product managers this time who would like to work better with people like you in product operations. As a product operations, sometimes I bring a lot of change Sometimes it's seen as maybe it's another process overhead and there is always kind of resistant to adapt change. I would say like to have a little bit of open mindedness to accept and understand when a change is coming and when the process is coming, why do we need it? Always thinking from the lens of would it bring any outcome for my team? What's in it for me? At the end, what we want is we want to eliminate chaos. We want to bring clarity on How do we do the things right? Because you can't do as a product manager, you cannot build the right thing for your customer if you don't know how to do things right. Right. Very good answer. Being open minded as a product manager when new processes come in and think about why. But why question that we like asking as product managers, asking this about the processes as well. Why is it changing and what kind of benefits does it bring to us? You've given lots of practical ways that we can implement balance scorecards and track metrics and also work better together between product operations and, and product managers. So if people who have listened to this episode want to carry on the conversation with you, how should they contact you? The easy way to is to connect me to the LinkedIn. I'm happy to help and have a further conversation. Perfect. Thank you so much and have a good day. Thanks for having me. Thank you everyone for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it has enabled you to understand your stakeholder and inspired you to better work with them to make successful products. If so, please share the link with your friends and colleagues. And if you want to suggest some topics, some guests, if you have questions you'd like me to ask during the interviews, or if you have any feedback, you can write to me at magalipelissier at hotmail.fr.